That's going to do it. Seven, Seven six, five, four, three, two, one. The Philadelphia Eagles have reached the NFC Championship game. The NFC title game. Welcome on in. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494 on what is going to be an incredible week here in Philadelphia. The NFC Championship game is here in South Philadelphia coming up on Sunday night. And and we have a whole week to get to that matchup and everything about it. And I can't wait for it. But I'm still in celebration mode here. And, And really... I'm still in reaction mode and and just over the moon on how the Eagles played on Saturday. That is one of the most dominant playoff victories we will ever see in any sport. Like that that was as close to perfect football as you will ever see. And and Friday night I, I sat here and I, I thought it could happen. Now I didn't think they'd win by that much and do exactly like that. I mean that was that was even more than I thought that they could accomplish Saturday. But I didn't fear this Giants team and I thought the Eagles could run them out of the building, and they did that. But the way they did it on Saturday and with the efficiency they did it on Saturday, that was off the charts. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop in and react here. And really, I'm I'm, I'm curious how everyone is feeling out there because this I, – I just – I want to say it, and, and I heard Ike say it to Jordan Mailata, to, yeah, and he was telling it from a player's perspective, obviously, in the player's lounge. But I think it is a it, – it's something that we should think about as fans – you know, I a few minutes ago in the players' lounge down at Chicken's Peace told Jordan not to take this for granted, right? To appreciate this, to kind of take it in and, and appreciate the moment, because you know that's obviously they work really hard to get there, and it's it's tough to get to these spots. But as fans, like we got to soak this in too. This doesn't ha- like what we watch Saturday does not happen very often, where everything is in tune in a playoff game. I mean, there were morons out there trying to make the case the Giants were going to win this game. I mean, seriously, people actually thought the Giants could win that game on Saturday. And the Eagles didn't just beat them. They embarrassed them. Like, they made them realize how far away they are from the Eagles' level. And the, the number one takeaway I had watched Saturday was how well-coached the Eagles are. We've spent an entire season talking about how Howie Rosa did an incredible job building this roster, and he did. And we talked about Jalen Hurts taking a leap, and he did. And we talked about all the pro bowlers they had or pro bowl alternates and you know really, really, really good players in this team from top to bottom. We, we talked about it all year from, from the summer on. Like This team was loaded. I, I sat here in August said they're more talented than the 2017 team, 2017 team, and I meant it. But, you know, talent only gets you so far in the NFL. There's been – look at the Dallas Cowboys. They've had talent for years. Look at the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills, oh, supposed to be the most talented team in the NFL. Well, they lost yesterday. Talent only gets you so far in the NFL. In the playoffs, and it's why the Patriots were champions all those times. Coaching takes you to a different level. Being on point takes you to a different level. And, and what they did on Saturday – like, you know, you, we talked about that bye week, what it could do for them. They didn't just get themselves back together. The Eagles rounded back into midseason form in the span of a week off. They took one week off. They got themselves healthy, you know, 21 to 22 starters out there, and they were on everything. The d- defensive game plan by Jonathan Gannon on, on Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday, was incredible. A Giants team that came in here with some confidence, with a quarterback playing better. Daniel Jones looked like he reverted three years in his career on that field on Saturday. He was lost. A Giants offensive line that obviously was decent enough to get him to where they got, got to, was completely just bombarded with an Eagles pass rush that was relentless from the first snap of the game till the end. Sending blitzes at the appropriate time. Making big plays in the secondary. 
dominant. That, that was just, it was dominance. The Eagles dominated a playoff game to the likes we may never see again. I mean, we could watch the Eagles the rest of our lives and never see them win a playoff game like that. That was, you know, playoff games just naturally, and I think we've gone through this with the Eagles basically every playoff game they've played for a while now, nerve-wracking. Like, can you think of an Eagles playoff game in recent times that hasn't been nerve-wracking? Just go through them in your head. When they lost to the Seahawks four years ago, when Wentz got knocked out of the game, it went down to the end. I mean, they had a chance in the fourth quarter. It was nerve-wracking. I mean, by the end, it was Josh McCown out there, but it was nerve-wracking. year before that, obviously, they lose on the Alshon drop in New Orleans. The double doink in Chicago. The Super Bowl. The NFC, I guess the NFC Championship game when it was also 38-7, but heading into the game, nerve-wracking. The Vikings scored first in that game before the Eagles you know, ran off 38 unanswered. Game before that, obviously against the Falcons, when it was a very, it was a nail-biter kind of game. You go back, what was their last playoff game before that? What was 2013 against the Saints? And that was a nail-biting game with the, the special teams play at the end. Very close game. Uh, you go back before that, I believe it was, what, the Packers game in 2010? Like, you go back through the Eagles' playoff history over the years. I, I just reeled off the last decade plus. They're all, at, at some point, you're nervous. You, th- this was the first time in a very long time where from the opening drive, the opening snap, it was over. The Eagles went down and scored, and then they just you know destroyed the Giants' offensive line and, and Daniel Jones in the second possession. Giants go for the fourth down. And it was, it was curtains. I mean, the game was over within 15 minutes of real time. I forget the clock. Real time, it was over. 215-592-9494. A lot of credit is deserving today. A lot. And we'll talk about it. We can give out some sort of evening show game balls here on this, this night as we celebrate this playoff win. But I start with the coaching on Saturday because Jonathan Gannon's game plan was outrageously good and everyone played their role perfectly. And then an offense, Shane Steichen, had the had the Giants on their heels. Everything they everything the Giants did, the Eagles had an answer. There was always someone open. There was always time for Jalen Hurst to throw. When they dial up the run game, it got chunk yardage. And I mean big plays. Obviously at the end, Kenny Gamewell with the game of his life. And then on top of it all is Nick Sirianni. I mean, Nick Sirianni here as the head coach of this football team, you know, Last year he had one playoff game. It obviously didn't go well for him or the Eagles. And he had a great regular season. But this this is where coaches separate themselves from, you know, being pretty good to, to where, the, you know, maybe becoming great. And we know Doug Peterson, you know, he, he elevated himself to a different level in the postseason. Went to a different level there, and he's an Eagles legend because we did in the postseason. Nick Sirianni had his team fired up but also with the ability to focus. And that, you know, young teams, and for a lot of these guys, young guys, right? Jalen Hurts and and Devontae Smith, and there's some young guys. But the ability to both be on point and fired up at the same time, to not commit mistakes, you know, to be as buttoned up as they were in a playoff game, that was dominance. It it just, it it was as dominant of a football game in the playoffs you'll ever see at the half. I wrote some of these numbers down because I couldn't believe it. I I was looking at, I looked at my, um, like the box score on my phone at halftime, I'm like, this can't be real. At the half, they outgained the Giants 258 to 64. The score was 28 to nothing at the half. First time the Eagles had an, held an opponent scoreless in the first half of playoff games since 1978. They had 18 first downs to three for the Giants, and they finished the game with the most rushing yards at a playoff game in franchise history. Uh, in the Super Bowl era, excuse me. The only, I guess the only other one was like the 47 NFL championship game, like a million years ago. That's how great the Eagles were. And let's not take this for granted. These kind of playoff wins almost never happen. 
They haven't happened with for the Eagles franchise. I mean, we got to go back in time to think about when they won a playoff game. And, and really, 38-7, yes, five years ago to the day, but they were down 7 nothing to start that game. There was some nervous energy in the building. Playoff games are not supposed to be over in five or ten minutes. This one was. 215-592-9494 to hop in, react. We'll give out some gay balls here. I'm, I'm going with the coaching staff. They were, you know, I mean, when Jeff Lurie hired these guys, I, I don't know if he could have expected anything more. I mean, that that's as good of a job by a coaching staff. And, it, look, they were they had the better team. Obviously, the Eagles had the better roster than the Giants. So they were operating from an advantage. But we see it all the time. I mean, you saw it with Buffalo, Miami last week, Kansas, um, you know, Cincinnati and Buffalo. Just because you have the better team doesn't mean you run away in the playoffs. It, it doesn't always happen. The Eagles did, and this team is 60 minutes away from the Super Bowl. 215-592-9494 to hop in as we give out some gay balls from Saturday night. And I, I just, Tucker, I still can't believe how easy they made that look. Yeah, I mean, it was like watching – Alabama play Louisiana Monroe or, or Troy or one of those games. And, you know, I, I just I, I can't even look at the Giants and point and say, well, that guy lost in the game. I mean, they suffocated the Giants yep. from the get go. Right. Like from five minutes in, I think anyone watching the game after they on after that first drive and Dallas Scott had scored that touchdown. I think everyone kind of nodded their head and said, well, this is over. There's no shot they have coming back here. And I think they crossed midfield like once in the first three quarters of the game. And they obviously tried to, to go for it there on fourth and eight. And Hassan Reddick got the sack. But I give credit to the offensive line. I give credit to Jason Kelsey for shutting down Dexter Lawrence, a guy who I thought was the best interior pass rusher in the NFL this season. No pressures. No quarterback hits. No sacks. No nothing. I mean, a guy who is a game record in every sense of the word, he didn't get a chance to. I mean, the Eagles' ability to flat flat out shut down uh, opposing defensive linemen is something that I think has really carried them throughout the season. And it's something that I think heading into this week, we're going to go against the guy who I think we all assume is going to be the defensive player of the year. And Nick Bosa, if they're going to win, if they're going to beat San Francisco, they're going to have to do the same thing to him. Yeah. They've had a knack this year for, and, and I, I say this as Patriot like, I mean, Belichick used to has done this his entire career. They've taken the strengths of other teams and, and almost made them non-existent. Like Tucker just mentioned, the, the interior Giants defensive line with Dexter Lawrence, that was a strength there. It, it didn't even matter in the game. The Eagles, through their play calling and the way they ran their offense, and obviously you know a great player with Jason Kelsey up front, they took it out. It, it didn't matter. Saquon Barkley is a great player. He didn't matter. Daniel Jones got better. His legs were a, you know, a big part of his offense. He didn't matter. None, nothing the Giants began to do over the last month or so as and became a good football team, pretty good team, mattered. Because the Eagles just completely destroyed them from the opening snap. Offensive line, defensive line, everything was on point in this game. You know, they, they, you know they've, they've often said they haven't played their best football yet. I mean, Jalen Hurts has a way of firing up his team and getting them to believe whatever he says. Can he, say it, can he still say that one this week? I feel like they, we just saw their best football. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine them playing any better. I mean, just did anyone have an off night? Did any unit? struggle was there ever a point where he said man that that stunk that was stupid I mean for 60 minutes they whipped the Giants up and down the field yeah and it felt like they could have put up 55 if they wanted to they obviously took their foot off the gas in the second half and ran the football 215-592-9494 as we react we celebrate the Eagles just took apart a division rival although can you beat a team three times they could have beat them by 50 if they wanted to that was the kind of game and we've seen it a couple times this year where you feel like you're watching a championship team. Not a good team, 
Not a team that only has a chance to be in part of the Final Four. It felt like Saturday we're watching a juggernaut. That's what Saturday felt like. A juggernaut took on a team that was playing above its class. You know, anyone out there who's an old-school boxing fan, there's a reason they separate the, the weight classes. The heavyweights, they fight the heavyweights. And the, and the Giants were not a heavyweight, and the Eagles just smashed them for three hours. Brandon is in Hanover. Brandon's up on WFP. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Joe. Yeah, just a great opener. And I, I just don't want to forget what an incredible roster, like you were talking about, this really is. And, and I'm, I'm so glad you talked about the appreciation level because I – I don't want to forget each rung of the mountain like Nick Sirianni talks about each each step of the climb. But along with those steps, let's also not forget there's one difference compared to 2017. Knock on wood. This team's pretty healthy Mm -hmm. going into the NFC Championship game. Now, in the playoffs, we always know that injuries are a great equalizer, and there could be injuries in the NFC title game, but let's appreciate how incredibly well the Eagles have managed this roster for 18, 19, 20 weeks, actually 20 weeks now. Folks, that's not easy to do. It's really not. And to have 21 of your 22 starters healthy entering the 21st week of the season is nothing short of remarkable, you, Brandon. You're right, um, and and I think we, we shouldn't forget. We should be in the moment and, and appreciate this. We also should look back, Brandon. There was a lot of discussion here, everywhere in the summer. I mean, how Nick Sirianni and the Eagles run their training camp, right? And and they kept saying over and over the objective is not to wear these guys out in the summer. And I, I don't know if they were certainly thinking about January 30th or whatever, but. I think in the back of their mind, they realize it's a grind, and we got to keep these guys healthy. Rest once a week. I mean, Fletcher Cox gets a rest day. Brandon Graham, like whatever they've done this year, whatever formula they've come up with, maybe it's a little bit of luck, but it's it's worked. And you know, last you know five years ago, we had Chris Long and some Tim Jernigan, some of these guys on a one year deal, and maybe at the end of their careers. Well, this this time around, we have Brandon Graham is not Chris Long, but He's playing the role of Chris Long just in a super sub role. The, the Eagles are able to slot him in in the, uh, the second tier and rotating these guys in, and they're able to stay fresh so they don't have as many snaps, but they're, I think, just as much if not more effective than if they would be starting about playing about 50 snaps a game. I think you're right. But Brandon, I, I, and I preached the phone call, man. I think you're right. Um, I, I said it a few minutes ago, the Eagles have the most, ta- the deepest and best roster in the NFL, and I think that's, that's shown itself all year. I mean, the, the Bills were thought to have that, and then they didn't actually have it in the end. Uh, and we can, obviously, we know how great these other three teams are. I think the Niners are right there roster-wise, but I think the Eagles are the best. They're the best roster top to bottom in the NFL. But, but it's, it's twofold. It's not just, like, how he could put as much talent as he could find and fit under the salary cap and maneuver and, and everything he did to put this team together. And it's why he's going to win the executive of the year. And I believe Howie Roseman is, is the biggest reason they're here. But if, he, if the coaching staff doesn't use it correctly, it doesn't matter. I mean, that, that's, that's the way this works. You give them all the talent in the world if you burn them out in training camp or you don't rotate them the, the way they have. I mean, Nick Sirianni, you know, I, 
I, I've struggled a lot during this year when it comes to the, the credit for Sirianni because he doesn't call the place. So the one thing other coaches do, it's like, are what is like what does he do besides have the team level headed, have them motivated? Like what what is, like most coaches in the NFL these days have that specific thing. They call their plays, whether it be offense or defense. He didn't do that. But the what he's done is he's pushed the buttons perfectly in terms of of the kind of the CEO of the team. You know, how he's given him this team and, and says, go in with it, and he wins with it. And everything he's done from rest to preparation to their offensive scheme to the way they, you know, conduct themselves on fourth down, short yardage, you know, field goal or go for the touchdown, all that stuff. He, he does it at an exceptional level. The Eagles are well built. They're well coached. They obviously have a drive that I think is led by their quarterback. I mean, it's everything. It's all there, and it's why this team is is one victory away from a champ. You know, an NFC championship. Doug is on the cell. What's up, Doug? Hey, how you doing? Great show. Thanks, Doug. What are you thinking tonight? Oh man, I just wanted to uh, focus on Dallas Goddard. I mean, how good is it to have him back and healthy? Well, mm-hmm. he's a di- Doug. He's a difference maker, and and some uh, of those and that play he made. I mean, that kind of set the tone. That catch, the one-handed catch, and then uh, rumbling into the end zone. Incredible, amazing. And some of the, you know, the lesser recognized, but blocking, uh, some of his runs, the physicality that he exhibited is so good to have him back. I mean, I I think he's one of the top tight ends in the in the NFL. Well, he oh, Doug, he is, and I think the only reason he hasn't. Kind of been elevated to that status, and Doug appreciated in in you know when you watch NFL Network or whatever, it's because he's missed time. I mean, look at his numbers. If you go back to Dallas Goddard's numbers early in the season; he would have been a thousand yard guy. I mean, I I think if you kind of played it all out and he stays healthy the whole year, AJ Brown probably doesn't break the Eagles receiving record, and Devontae's numbers are probably closer to I don't know eighty catches and eleven hundred yards or whatever the numbers are, rather than you know the ninety five, ninety six catches. It, it's they all they have three outrageous weapons on this team that they just do and it's why they're so hard to guard and it in a way the Niners and the Eagles are mirror images of each other I, I mean I, I can't wait for Sunday because that this is how the Niners are built you know they have Ayuk and they have Samuel and they have Kittle and they have McCaffrey like if you tr- focus on one of those guys someone else will destroy you and the Eagles are that way too I mean you take away one and there's two other ones that like, oh, what a, what, how do I stop that guy? That guy, Bill's in Middletown. Hey, Bill. Hey, buddy. What's up, Bill? Hey, I got a question. Why are we consistently considered the underdog? I know we're favored in this game by a couple points, but even in 17, you know, the Eagles couldn't do it. The Eagles couldn't do it. They now. We're here again. Why don't we get any love from the major media? We're always, everybody this whole weekend was talking about Josh Allen, you know, Burrow, Mahomes. Why are we always on the back burner? Why yeah. is Philadelphia always on the back burner? Bill, I think sometimes perception becomes reality for some people. Like the perception is, or at least before this season, that Jalen Hurts is not in the same world as those other quarterbacks. Obviously, we know we know that's not true, right? He he has had a, as good of a season as as pretty much any quarterback in the NFL. So, but you, but that, that I think that's the perception. And then the perception was that those teams are at a higher plane than the Eagles, but that's not the truth. It's it's just not now. They're now they're favorites in the betting market. They're favored in this game, which they should be at home. Uh, but. 
Bill, I don't know. I mean, I know. I guess the last run was because their quarterback got hurt and Nick Foles was a backup well, at that point. Well, but this is different. I, I get all that. Yeah. You know, you know, and that's why we put on the underdog mask back in 2017, and you know, everybody considered us the underdog. I feel like everybody still it feels like we're wearing those underdog masks. Well, you know, I Bill, want, I, I, I like that. I like to actually kind of like it. I, I like that they can play with a little chip on their shoulder. I, and you know what? I get it. I, I think they'll be under. I think they'll be underdogs in the Super Bowl, Bill. Well, well, no. Well, I don't know. I don't know if we will or will, you know, will or won't be, but. Yeah, I think I, they will. I, I want I, respect for Philadelphia. Well, you know what? You'll get it with a parade. That, that's when you get it, Bill. And Bill, we appreciate the phone call. Bill, Bill's out for city respect. Not even the Eagles. Whole city. It's not the Eagles. It's all of us. It's a Philly I, thing. Yeah. Isn't that what they say? I, it, well, that, that's what even Jalen Hurst said it on the field to Pam Oliver after the game on, on Saturday. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, Mahomes' uh, high ankle thing, his situation changes things. And we'll see how the games play out this week. But I know a couple weeks ago, uh, like without knowing the teams, but but you know you could kind of guess the favorites, the one and two seeds or whatever it's going to be. Um, th- I think the AFC was just like kind of a blind three and a half point favorite over the NFC. Now that will change clearly based on which teams are in, but I think it's there's a real reasonable thought that the Eagles will, if they get there and they win this game, they're going to be underdogs in the Super Bowl. I mean, whatever. I mean, Eagles cares? are the favorites win the Super Bowl right now. Is, do you think that's because they're fa- they're the best like they're looked at as the best team or maybe they have the because they're a bigger favorite in their game? They might so they're plus two thirty. Bengals are plus two sixty, Chiefs plus two seventy, forty niners plus three twenty. As we sit here on this Monday, we got a long week to go. I'm thinking we're getting Bengals Eagles. But the lowest odds are Chiefs to beat the Eagles at plus five hundred and Eagles to beat the Chiefs at plus five hundred. The home teams. Yeah. I wonder what it'll be in, in a Super Bowl. Chiefs, I believe I believe either either AFC team will be favorite. Though maybe the Bengals buy less. Bengals open up what against the Eagles? Two and a half? Two? I can see it be like two and a half and it gets quickly down to, to one and a half. Yeah. If, I mean, it feels tight. I mean, I mean, that's what Tucker just mentioned. All four of these teams, no one's looked at as like an overwhelming favorite now of the four to win the Super Bowl. 215-592-9494. We give out some game balls. I start with the coaches. They were outstanding on Saturday evening against the Giants in a rout. We get back. How about one coach in particular that I know Nick Sirianni wanted to give some credit to? He did it on Saturday and he did it again today, a guy that, uh, well, he gets criticized a lot. Too much here on WIP. Hear that next. 215-592-9494. Your phone calls, your game balls. The Eagles are one game away, one game away, one win away from the Super Bowl. We'll discuss on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us, 215-592-9494. Tell you, hop in on this Monday night, two days after a demolition of the New York Giants at Liga Financial Field. That game was over within 10 or 15 minutes of real time. I mean, the Eagles score, they go down, Goddard touchdown. They get the ball back. The Giants, you know, they, they can't move it, and they get a couple sacks. How about, I, I want to, before we go any further, I know I want to uh, hit this, what we heard from Sirianni Saturday and then this morning. You know, I was giving out game balls earlier in the show and talking about the coaching staff, and I just think they set the tone for everything in this game on on Saturday. Offensively, defensively, how buttoned up they were, how the every everything the Giants did well, they took away. Incredible coaching job. And then the players doing what they do. 
But, you know, we've mentioned this on the evening show, I'd say a couple times over the last month. It's now even stronger of a feeling because of what he did in the playoff game. Hassan Reddick is one of the great free agent signings in Eagles history. I mean, what a weekend for Temple. What a weekend for Tucker Bagley. I mean, first you got Hassan Reddick, Temple alum, former classmate of Tucker's, or at least they saw each other once during the halls or something. And he goes out there and he was, I mean, they had no answer. him When they looped him inside and he just pushed the giant center back into Daniel Jones's feet, I was like, this guy's unbelievable. How did no one else sign him for more money than how he gave him? It's unbelievable how much the Arizona Cardinals tanked his draft stock or just his stock around the league by playing him at middle linebacker for three years. This guy gets the quarterback as well as anyone in the league. I mean, you, you make a list of the best passers in the NFL right now. Obviously, Nick Bosa, who'll be here this week. Micah Parsons. You know, maybe a couple more you kind of come up with. Like and, Max Crosby. Yeah, he's really good. Judon's good. But, like, Reddick's right there. I mean, I I know what Bosa and and Parsons could do. They're, they're amazing players, and they're the favorites to win the award, and Bosa's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. But, man, Reddick is amazing. So he was incredible. And a good job by Jonathan Gannon freeing him up for some of those blitzes. And how about Nick Sirianni after the game on Saturday having some fun with all the criticism of Jonathan Gannon here in town, including – from our morning show host, Angela Cotaldi. Here was uh, Gannon, uh, excuse me, here was Sirianni talking about his guy Gannon on Saturday night. Sometimes I have to I have to hear like some things about Jonathan Gannon, like and it, I don't know if it's you guys. It might be more uh, other people. Um I, I won't say names, Angela, right? Uh but this guy is an unbelievable coordinator. The the fact that he doesn't get respect from our radio station blows my mind. It blows my mind. This guy is an incredible coordinator. Well, mine too, uh, to be honest with you, Nick. He is a good coordinator. The Eagles are going to miss him when he's gone uh, if he does go for a head coaching job. But that you, you knew that would kind of lead the story this morning. So, obviously, every Monday morning after a game, Nick Sirianni on the morning show with Angelo Cataldi. Here's how the beginning of their exchange sounded. All right, Nick. Now, I, it's, I'm very aware you would like a piece of me here. So, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me just start by saying – how do you think Jonathan Gannon coached on Saturday night? You you set me up for that, huh? You just came, you came right in with that as your first question. I kind of lob one up there, Nick, to get this going. <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, I appreciate that. Um, you know, hey, I, I know what I said on uh, I know what I said on Saturday, and that, that's in good fun too. Um, I enjoy coming on this show and and, and uh, talking to you guys. Um, but hey, at the end of the day, too, I'm going to stick up. For my brother, like I grew up in a tight Italian family. All I know is to is to stick up for my my family members, and that's what I was doing. Well, he did it, and they had some fun with it this morning. Though it was pretty easy, I think, to be on the Jonathan Gannon side of things from Saturday. Like this, Sirianni picked the right time to say, "Hey, Angelo, hey, WIP, lay off my guy, Jonathan Gannon." What a weird time to brag about your Italian heritage when then a few hours later you talk about how much you enjoy Little Caesars and, and yeah, pizza. Yeah, maybe he's not completely on point, but he's he's certainly right about Gannon for this week. I mean, the defense was was ridiculous. And I, I believe it was a blitz by Chauncey Gardner-Johnson that sped Daniel Jones up on the pick by Bradbury. So even uh, we even got a blitz involved on Saturday night. Steve in Wildwood is up on WIP. Hey, Steve. Joe, hey, buddy. Long time no talk. Sorry about that. Oh, that's all right, Steve. How you been, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great, Joe. Let me first say, Merry Belated Christmas, Happy Belated New Year, and congratulations on your promotion that attended two-slot. You deserve it. Thank you, Steve. I'm excited. um, I'm not upset, though, that we have a few more weeks until we get this going, though, because we'll we'll wait as long as the Eagles want to keep playing. That's right. right, Sometime after the Super Bowl. Yes. 
Yeah, and is Tucker going with you? Tucker, is it? We're, we're the combination is being talked about. Interviews okay. are going on, but of course, Tucker's uh, involved. Come on, come on, Tucker's got to be with you, man. It's like it's like Batman and Robin, right? I mean, come on, you know, you guys got to go together. You're you're a duo, dynamic duo. Come on, man. All right, I, maybe I got to talk to someone over there. Um, real quick, you still there? Oh, of course, Steve. I'm yeah, listening. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Here's where I am. I agree with you with the Eagles. Let's talk Eagles. Mm-hmm. It was awesome this past year. Absolutely awesome. And I agree with you. Coach staff did a great job. But what I said to Tucker before I came on is the reason why, and the reason why they're going to win it all, is they have the number one rated PFF offensive line, wire to wire, Joe. That offensive line is outstanding. It's awesome. It's Hall of Fame level across the board potential. We know we got two already in Kelsey and Johnson. And and Johnson gutting it out like he did. That that just like I love that guy. I just want to hug him if I could, but he'd probably crush me like a grape. Yeah, he would try was, to hug you back, and then you'd be in pain. He'd b- break yeah. your arm or something. Yeah, I yeah, mean, he'd probably just Steve. Pop it, me. Sometimes I think we do it. I think people across the NFL do it. Fans, we overcomplicate this. If you have incredible offensive line and defensive line play, you have That's a good, right. smart quarterback, and you have some weapons on the outside, you can win every game. I mean, every single game. And the Eagles, right. you know, for all, the last twenty years, but really since Andy got here. I, I think right. that was what they realized. Like, Andy gave that formula to them. Like, just make sure you always have a good offensive defensive line. And That's they right. always do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and, yeah, and, and, you know, as good as the offensive line is, the D line is equally good. And, and I'm telling you, I looked at the rankings of the other teams. Like, the Niners' offensive line, according to PFF, is like eight. Like, they got some weaknesses in the middle there. I think we're going to exploit. So, and then uh, the Chiefs, I think they're fourth. So I kind of look at that as a huge barometer. And then I go to the quarterback. And, Joe, I, I really think, you know, <laughs> this is our year, man. I'm so uh, I'm so excited because just what I saw from the O-line, the domination, the D-line, and all the other players, it's just this is a great team. And I do have to give credit from the top down. Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman, Sirianni, the coordinators, the players, Excellent. Across the board. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. They're winning it all, Joe. Steve, it feels like that. It doesn't, I mean, they have an incredible roster. They're healthy right now. They're well coached. They have home field in this game. And, and I, I don't look at them and say, uh oh, they got to go face the Chiefs or the Bengals. Like, they'll, they'll be ready for that game. They they can beat either of those teams. That's right. And you made, you just said a great point. How, how many people were questioning what they were doing in the beginning of the year? Even myself, I questioned. They're 100% healthy. If they get Maddox back, which I think they will. I, I, have you heard anything about Maddox? Yeah, today, today Sirianni said hopeful, which that, that strikes Ooh. me as a maybe. Yes. But, but that, oh, come on. I did see or hear that he was in the locker room Saturday after the game with no boot on. So he's out of the boot. Yeah, I think the boot's been off for a while. Someone yeah. reported that last week. Man, if they have Maddox at slot and can get uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson back to safety, oh, man, they, and they're 100, they're 100% healthy. I mean, I, I, outside of lane being right, you know, yeah, and, I get right, it. and and Jalen's, you know, still the, we'll yeah. see, you know, where the shoulder is, but yeah, I mean, they have yeah. other players out there, which you can't you can't ask for anything more. Unbelievable! It's better than 2017. I mean, 2017, we went into the playoffs and it was Peters is gone. Uh, who else? Um, Jordan Hicks was gone. Obviously, Wentz yeah. was gone. Sproles yeah. was gone. Yeah. They all yeah. were gone. Yeah, and they wanted that. I mean, this team's better, like you said, they're better, and they're almost about 95 percent healthy. You know. It's a, it's it's 
Joe, they're going to get it. We're going to see Jason Kelsey wearing another Mummers Parade um, outfit, and he's going to be doing another crazy speech on, on the art museum steps. This time I'm getting up to the art museum for it. I mean, there's going to be a brawl for that art museum positioning, I'm telling you, and I'm going to get up there for you. Well, I'll see you. We'll see you there, Steve. Stephen Wywood's going to be there with us. Steve, we appreciate the phone call. Yeah, we got two more wins before we get there. But in, just in terms of in terms of um, how healthy they are, I mean, I, I think it is a testament to how they've done this. I mean, they, they've been ahead of the curve on this. I, I remember the conversations in the summer about what was the first practice of training camp, like 58 minutes or something? It was less than an hour. And everyone was screaming and yelling about that. Are we going to scream and yell about that next year? Are we going to forget? Maybe? No, I think we might forget. And I do think it'll probably help with the Super Bowl hangover. I also think the continuity that the Eagles had you know, going from 2021 to this season probably made that a little easier sure. to stomach, right? Like, they didn't need to practice for an hour and a half, two hours every day. Same offense. Two and a half system. hours because they're running the same offense. They have most of the same starters back from a year ago, save for guys like A.J. Brown and then a couple guys on the defensive front. So I do think it's easier. Like I don't think it's something every team could do. I, I think if they had a new coach, like a team like the Giants this year, I don't think they could have gotten away with it because they were installing a brand new system. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, in terms of uh, Vontae Maddox and his status for this week, we'll see. Uh, Sirianni used the word hopeful. Now, I, I don't want this to come off as saying they don't it, they can they don't need him this week because obviously it would help if he comes back. But just think about the Niners; they don't really run many three wide receiver sets. I mean, th- their team is mostly now they do put McCaffrey sometimes in the slot, like they move all their guys around, so he would help. I mean, he he would certainly help. But when I think about Maddox and and coming back, like I think of that team as Ayuk, Samuel, Kittle. Their third receiver is a dynamic tight end, more than three receivers. You know what I think the Eagles need Maddox for? The Super Bowl. Whoever it is, it's the Chiefs or it's the Bengals. That's the game that if you tell me right now, like Maddox comes back and he's like 70% this week and like, is he going to be okay for the Super Bowl? Like, I'm not saying I would hold him out. It's the NFC title game. But I really believe they need Avante Maddox to win the Super Bowl. Like, think about the Chiefs and the Bengals. Almost every play is three or four wide receivers with those teams. The Bengals have three really good wide receivers, outstanding ones. And the Chiefs have basically a great tight end and, and three or four interchangeable wide receivers. That They're always in three or four wide receiver sets. Like, they need Maddox in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and if you look at the, the 49ers this season, Jawan Jennings leads their team and targets out of the slot. Now, I'm not worried about that. Kittle has 19 catches and five touchdowns, and Brandon Ayuk has 25 catches and 328 yards. But for the most part, they don't get a lot of production out of the slot in, in their normal base offense. Yeah, that's not who they are. I'm not, I'm not, I'd like to have Maddox back this week, but I, I think they could get through this game if he's not ready. The Super Bowl, they need him. Like, that's the game. I mean, they, the other quarterback will be in shotgun 90% of the time. Like, they need Avante Maddox for that game. Don is in Old City. What's up, Don? Hey, how you doing? Good, Don. What's up tonight, buddy? Yeah, um, I'm calling because I, I scored some tickets to go to the game. I'm excited about that. Um, looking forward to going to the game, you know, go birds. Um, I, I just, I'm just calling in because of something that was disturbing. I saw on TV the other night. What'd you say? Well, I don't know if you noticed it, but after the Bengals game, Joe, Bur- Joe, Joe Burrow, he went into the stands with, uh, stands with some of the fans. And, um, there was a young black boy with a, with a chain, uh, that he hung over. And I think his dad was with him with a t-shirt. He walked by the boy and just, just like smacked 
the chain or whatever out there. We just flagged them completely and went over to this this uh, this this group of people there. I just thought that was I don't know how anybody didn't pick that up. But that was poor uh, sportsmanship. Don, uh, I, I didn't see this. I, I mean, I I can you try have to, s- to look at the footage. Yeah, so he, he walked up a ramp. So was it a was it a Bills fan? Like he was kind of like dissing a Bills fan? No, no, this was his fans. These were his, it was a young boy. He, he he must have been like eight years old. He yeah, hanging on. Yeah, I, I you he know what? Right I, I didn't see it. I, I will look it up. That's I mean, obviously, you know that Listen, that, that, that me that's, and my wife were appalled when we saw it. Yeah, I'm sure. We, yeah, we we had to rewind it three times. The the boy it was. It, he was a young black boy. He had the, you know, he had this gear. He was leaning over the rail when he was coming in. Had a long chain or something. I don't know what it was. He basically like, like flagged him out of the way, and just walked straight over to these other people. There was a, a lady and a couple of guys gave him hugs. All this, and I was like, what the hell was that? Yeah, that's that's weird. I mean, Don, we approached the phone call. I didn't see it, so I can't really give a good comment on because I didn't see that. I'm sure it was after the game and celebration. I will say sometimes, and I have no idea what happened with um, the, this per, this particular potential Joe Burrow thing. I do think sometimes these athletes after the game, like they're they're getting so mobbed with so many like, hey, high five, autograph, whatever, as they walk through a tunnel, that I think sometimes I notice this, and I'm not talking about Joe Burrow, anybody. It could look like they're ignoring some people because they they're not going to stop to every single person and react to every single person. Again, I don't know. I'm, I'll I'll try to go find that. Uh, I do know Joe Burrow is a heck of a quarterback, and I know that that game yesterday, actually both those games yesterday, it was um it was pretty stark how dumb the other team was. Like the, we'll get to the Cowboys thing next hour, but that Bills team, like I just finally after a year of everyone just like anointing the Bills the best team. Finally, they're gone. I'm. I'm just. Goodbye, Buffalo. See ya. I was so nauseated by all the Bills hype. Like even preseason, it felt like why even play, right? Like let's not even waste the next 17 weeks. Give them the Super Bowl. Let's just give them the Lombardi Trophy in the middle of August and we all get on with their falls and go to pumpkin patches and haunted houses and move on with their lives. And listening to Tony Romo just salivate over Josh Allen the last two weeks. It's been terrible. I'm glad they're gone. I'm glad I don't have to see Josh Allen until August. Yeah, I, I tell you, Joe Burrow is an assassin. He reminds me of Tom Brady so much. Like this is the kind of stuff Brady did early in his career. Like, oh, this team's better. And he just goes in there and just beats that team. It just every time he plays a good quarterback, he he beats them. You know who he reminds me of? When we did our comps last week. Reminds me of Kawhi Leonard. Just like laser focus. I'm gonna grip your heart out. Probably puts up stats that you wouldn't really look twice at in the regular season, but when it comes to the postseason, I don't know if there's anybody you want to play less. <laughs> just rips your heart out. I mean, just that, that game, he went right down the field. And how about yesterday, their offensive line, we talked about it last week, they have three guys out. I mean, it's like, how do they block the Bills? Well, how about he gets the he got the ball out of his hand yesterday faster than any game this year. Okay, I can't throw deep. I'll just throw 7, 10, 15 yards over and over and over. Incredible quarterback play. I mean, just incredible. And the games this weekend – they all kind of fell on that line. Like Jalen obviously outplayed Daniel Jones, and you know Mahomes on one leg outplayed Trevor Lawrence, and Burrow outplayed Josh Allen, and Brock Purdy outplayed Dak Prescott, who was just horrendous in the big moments yesterday. It, it all, I mean, it kind of played out in a way where these games usually do. The better quarterback wins the games. Frankie is in Roxburgh. Frankie, hey Joe, hey victory. Frankie, a big victory, Frankie. Yes, Joe. Now, like, I think everybody could stop talking about Jalen if he if he's okay. If he's not, we're just going to play football now. Now, now the 
Now the big boys come out. Yeah, you know what? All that's past him now. And the best part, Frankie, is he played well. He ran. He took some shots, and he came out of the game. And, he, and he, there's no worries now. He's we're, we're we're good to go. Yes, we are. And you know what I think it is, Joe. Even with the, like with the with the Eagle fans, we're not used to. I don't. I'm not used to seeing this dominance that 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 they're showing. Uh, I don't know. Do, do, you, do you think? Do you see what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, Frankie, we're not. I mean, for, first of all, this usually doesn't happen in playoff games. And, like, I, I can't remember the last time the Eagles played a playoff game where they were so much better that you knew the game was over in 10 minutes. Yeah, and, and, and everybody talks about how great San Francisco is and how good their defense is, but they got to go against our defense and they got to go against our offense. They, people talk as, as like... We don't exist. I don't understand it, Joe. Well, Frankie, I'm glad you brought it up. That the, yeah, and, and that's why this should be such a great matchup. Frankie, I appreciate it. And, you know, the Niners are have a great team. They obviously do. The Eagles have a great team. I think that I've thought for three months of the two best rosters in the NFC. But for as much as we've talked this year about, well, who have the Eagles played? And I think we can still say it now because that will that, you'll hear that this week, right? Because who they beat in the playoffs. They beat the Giants. They weren't that good anyway. Has anyone looked at who the Niners have played this year? You can make case their most impressive win of the season was yesterday against the Cowboys. They haven't played a big-time offense other than yesterday against Dallas. In in months, they played the, the Chiefs in October. Since then, it's been you know not, not much to write home about. They've beat a lot of bad teams this year, so this is going to be an incredible matchup because both offenses are so talented, and obviously both defenses have dominated their opponents, number one, number two in yards, yards per play. Like These teams are are really good. It's what makes this thing so much fun coming up on, on Sunday. And, yeah, the, the Niners have gotten hype. I mean, first of all, they haven't lost in in a little bit, uh, like you know, more than a little bit. They haven't lost in a long time. But October? Was that the last time? October 23rd, week seven. To the Chiefs. And that, to me, is the last time they faced a great offense. I know Dallas has had moments, you know, that they've played really well and they put up a lot of points. But Dallas is so Jekyll and Hyde offensively that's like, you know, I, I don't – now, I'm not saying the Niners didn't do a good job yesterday. They did. They shut down an offense with some talent with the Cowboys. But it's been a lot of bad offenses the Niners have dominated. I mean – other than Dallas yesterday, who's the best offense they've seen since late October? The Chargers? They played the Chargers coming off their bye week. Miami, I guess. It, Miami was good. Miami. And Tua did play that game, I yeah. believe. That's really – I mean, they, the most points they've given up since that Chiefs loss was 34 to uh, Jared Stidham. Yeah, the and Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. I, I, I wonder how Sunday's going to play out because I think there's going to be a perception, the number one defense, the number two defense, young quarterback in Brock Purdy. Jalen Hurts, you know, still, you know, how much is he willing to run, how effective will he be running against a great defense? I, I think there's going to be a perception that we are going to get a low-scoring game on Sunday. I think that will be the perception. I think the betting market will, will kind of outline that. I, I, what's the game probably at, 45 and a half to, to open up, something like that? I would not be shocked if we get more points than we think. There's a, there's some explosive players on both offenses. Like, just think about the names. It's, it's like a Pro Bowl. I mean, you have McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, A.J. Brown, who you know is just due for a big game after after not having one on Saturday. You know, Devontae. You know, Jalen Hurts himself could put the ball in the end zone, did it again. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we have a higher scoring game than the perception will be on this one. Yeah, we're at 45 and a half. 
That's not a very high-scoring game, 45-and-a-half. Which weapons arsenal would you rather have? Like, last week we talked all week about how the Eagles outweighed mm-hmm. the Giants on paper in every matchup. Against San Francisco, do they have a, a deeper weapons cabinet? They probably do, but their quarterback's not a weapon. Does that even it out? Like, that hurts his – Like, hurts a weapon. as a runner. Right. Add something. Yeah. They don't have as good of running backs. The Eagles' backs are good. I mean, they're not, not that good. But McCaffrey is is the best of all these names we're going to throw out this week. I think if Hertz is is at, is at his best, I think he tips the scales the other way. Because Purdy's not offering anything, really. I mean, he can move a little bit back there, but he's not going to bring much to the table from that perspective. Hertz obviously does. 215-592-9494. My number one game ball goes to the coaches. This coaching staff was amazing on Saturday. That was a route. We'll come back your phone calls. 215-592-9494. And we got to play for you. The end of the Cowboys game. We have to be able to laugh at this together. Because it's not only did we get the Eagles. I mean, think about this combination over the weekend. We got the Eagles winning 38-7 over the Giants, a division rival. And then we got to watch yesterday. I know there was some conflict on who we wanted to win, who was the easier matchup, whatever. At the end of the day, the Cowboys lost. And they didn't just lose. For the second year in a row, they looked like complete morons at the end of the game. Like just clueless coaching and players. They are the stupidest team in the NFL. Let me hear the last play one more time of the Cowboys and the Niners from yesterday. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop board. Sports Radio 94 WIP.